Hello and welcome to episode 14 of series two of the Engaging Internal Comms podcast. This is the podcast for employee engagers and internal communicators who like to keep up to date with all that is new in our profession. My name's Craig Smith from The Big Picture People. If this is the first time you've listened to the podcast, you're more than welcome. Uh, there, are, there is a back catalogue of other episodes on the, from this series. There's uh, Previously, we've got 13 episodes from this series and also 30 episodes in series one as well, which you can find via our website, engagingic.com. Um, one thing I would like to put out a request for is if any of you have any nominations for interviewees who you would like us to cover on the show or organisations that you'd like us to try and approach in order to find out more about how they do their internal comms, their employee engagement or anything else that is related to those two topics um we, we we'd love to to get some nominations we do get quite a few people who approach us proactively to ask if they can appear on the show and if if uh, if if they've got something that's relevant to our audience then we will always consider it so um if, you, if you've got anyone that you'd like who you'd like to nominate or if you'd like to nominate yourself of course if you go to our website engagingic.com you will see there is a sign up form there that you can uh, you can you can send us some details there you can get in touch with us that way or you can just get in touch with us at info at thebigpicturepeople.co.uk and uh, we will always consider anyone will always get back to you um, and what normally what we do is we'll arrange a, a short conversation uh, before we uh, before we decide whether you're right for the show and whether the show's right for you so um, and, and and obviously that's the ghost for your nominees as well so if, if you know anyone who who, uh, who you'd, you'd like to nominate or you'd like to nominate yourself just get in touch um, if you are finding the show useful and you uh, you think there's anyone else in your network who might benefit from it please share it with them please share the links with them from from either this episode or any of the other episodes that you may have listened to that you think might uh, might benefit them um we have two days to go before our webinar on the 29th of april 2021 so if you're listening to this after the date apologies that that date would have gone but we are running some more webinars later in the year so we're running a, a webinar on the 29th of april which is all about sharing the big picture of your organization with your employees so strongly linking into employee engagement and internal comms. If you're interested in that, we have a few seats left. Uh, we have a maximum of 100 people. There's a few, few just a last few seats left. Uh, if you'd like to book up for that, you can head across to our website, which is thebigpicturepeople.co.uk. And on the menu, you will find our events tab. And if you scroll down to the uh, the first event that's listed on there, which is the uh, the, the sharing the big picture of uh, with your people, uh, you'll be able to click click on the link there and you can book up it's entirely free three o'clock in the afternoon uk time um and uh yes a, a free zoom webinar that you can join it's only an hour long so um uh yeah you'll be more than welcome to, to join us so that's uh that's it the next next week we have an interview coming up well actually it's not an interview <laughs> it's me uh it's the it's the final uh closeout episode of our our short series that we've done on um employee value on, on 
internal values, organizational values. I've shared with you five tools now for uh, either developing or enhancing or communicating your values internally. If you've not already found those, you can find those on our past episodes. Uh, but the episode next week is kind of like a summary episode of what we've covered in those uh, those five uh, short episodes. And the, just just so for those of you who are new to the show, what we've been doing is uh, we've ha- have an interview every fortnight, and uh, just for the last few weeks between those interview shows um, on the intervening weeks I've just done a short episode which has been sharing a resource and just uh, talking about organizational values and how you can um, how you can communicate them or live them better within your organization so after that we will then switch into the uh, the fortnightly pattern of episodes going out which is uh, the the fortnightly interview shows only for the time being anyway and uh, the first one after that which is episode 16 is going to be from Owen Weldon at work who is going to be telling us all about how we can communicate with offline employees, employees who don't have access to uh, technology, computers, laptops, smartphones, etc. how we can keep them engaged and communicated with. So I think you'll find that an interesting episode. So that's episode 16, which goes out on the 11th of May. So um, I think that's everything I wanted to talk about at the beginning of the show. Let's get on with today's interview. For today's interview, I wanted to return to a theme that we covered right back at the very first episode of the Engaging Internal Comms podcast, uh, which was episode one of series one, where we talked about employer branding. What I wanted to look at was how do we maintain a really strong employer brand within our organization and how do we do that through a consistent way of communicating and engaging our employees, but also looking at the whole employee pipeline as to how they join the organization, how we treat our employees and how they experience working for us and delivering the results that we expect them to deliver. And what I wanted to do was look outside of our typical paradigm, which is the larger organizations, and look for a smaller organization which has got a really, really strong brand that has grown phenomenally quickly and that has been able to maintain that strong ethos, but also is looking to maintain it as it moves forward into the future. So that's what today's episode is all, all about. But there's also some really interesting learnings that you'll get from listening to the interview which is how can we bring in expertise and ideas from other parts of our organization into our work around employee engagement and internal communications? That is, how could we bring uh, ideas from marketing, from maybe from sales and from other parts of the business that typically we would not use uh, or, or engage with when we're thinking about our own craft as uh, engagers and communicators? So I think you'll find this a really interesting interview. So my interviewee today is Anna Kilmurray. Anna is Chief People Officer at ClearScore, which is one of the most exciting high-scale growth startups in Europe. ClearScore's vision is to make managing your money simpler and to give millions of people across the world better access to financial services. Anna was one of the first six employees at ClearScore and who now employ over 200 people. Interestingly, prior to taking up the role of CPO, Chief People Officer, Anna's career was mainly in a senior marketing roles and we're going to explore that transition that she's made in her career as part of the conversation but first of all hello Hannah Anna how are you hi Craig um I'm really well today thank you jolly good and uh, where are you where are you in the world where are you based at the moment I'm based out near Barcelona actually in Spain 
Wonderful. Oh, wonderful. I, I, I had it in my head you were in the UK. Well, I, I guess you, you, is that, are you always in Barcelona or is that uh, uh, just somewhere where you're, you're at at the moment? Yeah. So my, uh, my company, Clear School, we're a fintech based in Vauxhall, London. Uh, right. My family, we're based out in Barcelona. So I do the, I do the commute. <laughs> Oh, right. Wow. Well, what a fantastic place to be based. I love Barcelona. So uh, wonderful. Well, I, I gave a little bit of an intro into ClearScore there. I'm sure you can probably do a better job than me. Tell us a little bit about ClearScore, your your kind of mission, your vision, and and, uh, and, and what your, your role actually entails at ClearScore, please, Anna. Yeah, of course. Um, so ClearScore's mission, um, as you touched on just now, is to help millions of people around the world get better access to financial services. Um, and to make finances easier um, and simpler and, and calmer, basically, to understand. So what I loved about this mission when I joined uh, back in 2015 and, and what I still love today is the audacity of the mission, uh, which we set out right at the very beginning when we were just uh, you know, a few people with an idea, basically. Mm. So uh, you know, finances are really complex. Uh, some people think it's boring. Some people think it's daunting um but overall i think it's just one of the most universal things we need to deal with isn't it and kind of mm -hmm. connects to so much more so it connects to our quality of life our choices our opportunities like even our relationships it all sort of connects back to to money in some way so as a really kind of curious person i just love the goal of being able to uh trying to simplify and, and make yeah. finances better for, for ordinary people so so yeah um and I love the ambition as well so from, from the very beginning we had an ambition to take our approach around the world so in that mission we talked about making it simpler for people around the world which um you know we were lucky to find product market fit very quickly for our product um yeah. built, built the brand from from nothing uh to where we are today which is 13 million users uh fully registered with ClearScore. Um, a 30% um, spontaneous brand awareness, which is just, um, I think, incredible. Yeah. Um, and yeah, our product just gets better and better. I'm really proud of uh, the way that the, the design team have so much passion, the product teams, the skills and the thoughtfulness of the engineering choices that our tech teams are, are making. And and just because we've We've been able to move very quickly and, and grow quickly. Um, our user base, that's just unlocked a lot of opportunities mm. um, now that we've reached a, a bigger scale in the market to actually influence the industry and, and create um, better products for our users. Fantastic. So, so yeah, that's, that's ClearScore in a, yeah. In yeah. a nutshell. Brilliant, and and um, I mean, what what I'm going to go on and talk about your, your we'll talk about your your role there, and, and and what we'd be talking about today is this, you know, this ethos that that you just talked about there that kind of permeates throughout the whole organisation, and in particular from a from a, an employee perspective. That's what I want to talk to you about. But the first thing I'd like to talk to you about, which is, and I know we 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 kind of alluded, we we touched upon this when I um, spoke to you a few weeks ago before when we kind of first sort of talked about possibly having the interview, is I was fascinated by you know, the fact the chief people officer who's come from the marketing background, because, and, and I, I'm, I, I kind of em have a huge amount of empathy with that experience because I, I kind of drifted into organizational development from, 
you know, operations management. So the sort of dark side came into uh, <laughs> it, just sort of people development. And I think, yeah. you know, I, I'd be interested to know what, how you've experienced that, because I think you do have to overcome some preconceptions that you, you know, you're not, you, you're not qualified to do this job. You've not been on, you know, you've not done all the courses, you've not got all the certificates. And, you know, and I, I did have, I was pretty well qualified to do the role, but it was, I hadn't trodden that, that usual path. So mm. I'd be really interested to know what your experience has been like moving into a CPO role, really coming from, you know, fresh, fresh from a, from, from marketing and a, a very kind of successful career in marketing as well. Yeah. It, it is an interesting path isn't it it's not necessarily the expected um so when i when i joined my responsibility was to set up the marketing for clear score and my mm-hmm. career for the 15 years prior to that had been in various marketing brands crm um and and quite broad kind of marketing project type roles um so that was my background um and so i spent the first few years building out a brand and establishing clear messaging and and um setting up our internal marketing channel crm is a big channel for us um creating personalized crm for our users um and it was so much fun because for a marketer you don't get a chance to do that very often in your career to, mm. to kind of create something uh, where there was nothing before and see it get traction. So, yeah, I built the team. Um, we launched ClearScore into two more markets during that time. And um, I was really lucky to be able to kind of touch product features as well. So we created a product feature that helped form the habit of checking ClearScore anytime you make a financial decision, something called coaching, which is this personalized uh, okay. chat feature. So. Mm. All of that. And I think it was a hugely intense and exciting period of my career. Um, and then I took a few months out actually to have my first daughter and to mm-hmm. spend some time with her and took that time to reflect. Um, and for me, I've, I've made time a few points, um, in my career to sort of take time out and reflect. And it's something that I kind of, find really important um, personally to really think about my choices and deliberate where I'm spending my energy and all of those kind of things. Um, mm. So I, I spoke to my CEO about wanting to do something new at that point and to to broaden my exposure, my experience. Um, and together we came up with the idea for me to pivot, to take on the role of chief people officer. Mm. So mm. I loved that idea because firstly, it was outside of my personal comfort zone it's um also an area i'm hugely passionate about so it's the mm. kind of thing that i think about read about train learn about in my spare time whilst um whilst uh, in marketing roles in the past mm. um and i think it plays to my strength so it, i felt like i had a good shot at making a success of the move but of course couldn't take that for granted and i, I loved that sort of newness uh, it gave me a new energy to come back and rejoin the exec team with with a new remit mm. um and I didn't feel like I had um, a lot of preconceptions to contend with. We, we really sort of facilitate career moves quite a lot in our business and in our mm. industry, actually. Um, mm. a, lot of the, a lot of the skills needed are quite kind of transferable. Um, and um, what I found is that I've actually formed a network of people who've done similar moves mm. quite quickly um mm. because when people hear that i've done it they say oh and you know i can connect you with so-and-so they came from commercial and they took on marketing and yeah you know, in many ways it's it's helpful um, and i can talk a bit about that if that is that's interesting about the kind of parallels and what i what kind of enabled me to feel confident in the area at the beginning when i was sort of starting out 
Yeah, yeah, I think it, I think it's really interesting. I mean, um, I can't remember who it is now. I, I, I sh- there's a there's an, a there's a management guru, and he he always says that you know that ninety um, percent of what we need to make our business better lies outside of our our industry or our business. So it, it's you know we need to look outside rather than inside all the time. And I think it's I think it's the same within careers as well. I think that you know roles like chief people officer can learn a lot from having a marketing mindset and thinking about what customers want and how that relates into how our employees behave and vice versa. So I, I'm, I'm a massive fan and advocate, not just because I've, I've kind of trodden that path myself of, of people moving between functions and not becoming, you know, I think there's obviously a, a case for becoming, you know, developing a deep level of expertise within a particular role or within a particular function. But yeah. at the same time, I think there's a huge benefit when you move people between those functions to bring that, that cross pollination of ideas. And I, yeah, I don't know that was what you were thinking. You were what that was. That was one of the things you were going to talk about as well there. Yeah. I mean, of course. So I ask a lot of questions, particularly <laughs> at the beginning. And that yeah. can be quite interesting for just kind of thinking through why things are as they are as well when you come mm. into a new space. Um, I also rely on a very strong team of professionals with the relevant skill sets and experience around things like you know, data protection, employee relations, employment law, all of the things that um, are just crucial. Um, but what's helped me, um, I think, immensely is my frame around the people space and how I think about it. So um, we don't use the word HR actually internally um, at mm. all. We prefer to talk about uh, people potential and performance, um, mm. which might mm. sound like semantics, but for me, actually, it's quite quite a good distinction. Um, mm. So, so marketers and product people tend to think first about their user. So, in my case, my users um, are our employees who work at ClearScore, and my mm. first priority then is to understand. So, who are you? <laughs> what do you mm-hmm. care about? What do, what do they think? Mm. What kind of segments exist? Of course, because they're all very different, but there are groups, right, of similar similar kind of mm. um, people or mm. needs or interests or whatever it is. So. Um, secondly, I think about my product. So in this case, my product is um, no longer ClearScore the products, um, the app, but instead mm. ClearScore the employer of people. So I need to understand that product in a lot of depth. So what's great about us as an employer? What's less good? What's mm. unique? What's our kind of unique selling point to use, I guess, marketing language? Um, and mm. and um, for us, the culture's at the heart of our product. And so really sort of understanding the culture and, and having grown up with the culture um, as we've developed it in the last years, that's that's really helped because that's something I do know really well. Mm. Um, and then thirdly, what's the market we're operating in? Mm. Um, so who are we competing against for talent? Um, we're in the tech industry, which is really, really buoyant. Um, there's a huge amount of opportunity. So um, we need to understand what are other employers doing in the space? What are they good at? How are we positioned next to them, um, and how does what we offer stack up? So mm. that's kind of, that that kind of helps me because conceptually there's quite a lot of overlap there, mm. Um, mm. and program development, and I, as I see it, is um, is actually building the employer product with some new features. Um, mm. So one thing is developing them really well, 
And then the other thing is communicating with them well. So mm, both of those mm. things, again, um, quite bread and butter of marketing. So that helps me to feel a little bit more like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think that's brilliant. And that kind of really flows nicely into what we're going to be talking about, you know, next. Which, but but I, I mean, again, just be, before we do, do move on there, I mean, I, I often use, I've done a lot of work around change with organizations. And, you know, I, I, I don't know whether, I, I'm not, I've never really worked in marketing myself, but I've always believed or led to believe one of the marketing mantras is, you know, that you, to, to, to believe a marketing message is a consumer needs to hear a message from sort of, I think it's about seven or eight times from different touch points. And, and yeah. I think it's the same when you're trying to sell change into a business as well. So I think, again, that's where that marketing mindset can really help you think about, you know, it's not just about one town hall meeting and everybody's convinced. We need to be repeating it. We need to be getting it into through different media. It needs to be validated from different angles. And I think that's really good. And also I've used you know, the kind of, uh, and I'm not claiming any, any, any novelty or, 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 or sort of these are unique ways that I, we do it, but we're using personas as well around, you know, similar to what you were saying there about employee personas, about, you know, what, what, what is an employee in this kind of archetype want and looking for and how are we giving them that? And, and is that, is that a satisfying part of their career? So I think there's a huge amount that can, and I'm sure it's the other way. I'm sure marketing can learn a lot from, 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 you know, people management and organizational development, but I certainly think there's some some fantastic transferable elements across, and I think that kind of flows yeah. into what I wanted to talk next. And 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 feel free to build on that. But this idea of this kind of real strong brand that you you seem to have, and I was looking on your website and your careers page, and you know it's very strong. Um, and we and we've talked about this before on the show where where organisations have you know really been strong on you know this is the kind of brand we want to have as an employer, and I think it's it's really important. So. You talked a little bit earlier about, you know, it was almost from the day dot with six of you sat around the table that you you had this philosophy and you've managed to keep that within the organization. Uh, and 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 I guess, you know, why why is that why you say that has been important as the organization grows and, and you as you sort of transition from being obviously from a startup and then a kind of, you know, growth and now into, you know, kind of I would imagine you're at the point where you're kind of scaling up quite rapidly now. Mm. Um where does that how does that fit in that ethos and that kind of consistency and line of sight to what where it all started and that kind of whole vision and purpose when you kicked off yeah thank you for picking that up um <laughs> and, and yes I'm, I'm really proud of the the culture and we all are of the culture and environment of um i guess belonging voice and and really sort of purpose behind what we're doing so mm. we do track um that as part of our eng- engagement survey um, and on belonging and voice in particular that you you pulled out we score in the 80s on both which um which is i guess a, a great sort of signifier of um of the work in that space but mm. i think we've cultivated um a high trust environment and many of the leadership team have really role modeled um vulnerability actually and openness to be mm. their true selves at work and i think what i've seen that do um is unlock permission for other people to do the same. Mm. Um, so we've been able to, it's, it's much easier when you're a smaller company to do this, I must say. I've worked in bigger and smaller organisations and you've been able to, to um, through that, cultivate a very motivated, um, intelligent and thoughtful workforce. So um, that kind of um, 
that really sort of leads into more um, reinforcement. So, for example, some of our employees developed a mental health ambassadors program um, completely off their own backs and, and ran this independently. We funded it um, and it gives people support with their mental well-being. So we're not talking about mental illness or mental crisis, but instead yeah. just investing in mental well-being, coping tools, self-mastery. Um, introspection, managing your mental well-being proactively and openly in the same way that you manage your physical well-being. So um, you know, we've, I, I've been on my own journey having I've reached burnout in my late 20s after kind of ignoring my well-being at that point. Mm. I mean, we never talked about that stuff when I was in my 20s no. at work. <laughs> it just didn't mm. come up and, no. and you know I was sort of ignoring that in favor of wanting to do really well at work and Actually, I know now when I look back, I was using work actually as a bit of a numbing tool at that point, you know, difficulties mm. going on in my, my personal life that I was blocking out through uh, putting all my energy into being successful at work. And mm. I think um, the more you sort of talk about this stuff, the more uh, firstly connection you create because you realize that you're not alone. Um, but also you just get to know a person and, and that's, um, that's really important, right? The people that you work with is the people that you spend your, uh, your big portion of the day with. Um, so yeah. And I, and our, CEO, our CEO is very transparent about his journey too. Um, so he has really helped to normalize the challenges and, um, you know, things that people face and helps people relate to them and form really mm. good trusting relationships. Mm. So yeah, all, all of the kind of energy we put into work, I think um, it's quite, you know, it's a finite resource, isn't it? Energy. Yeah. So yeah. it's important that people feel like they can be themselves and they don't have to expend energy creating a kind of work self um, that feels like you're sort of not able to, to yeah, you're not able to be natural. And so yeah. um it kind of leaves more energy left for doing great work or for your family or for whatever else it is yeah. that an individual is dedicated to. So it's just something, I guess, that we uh, care about passionately and have thought about a lot in the building of a company. Um, tech scale-ups, tech startups have got a reputation for being very uh, work hard, play hard. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's, it's, pretty important to kind of understand and get the right balance there and and i and this is kind of a question that's just come to my mind so I, i'm just thinking there that you said it's a competitive sector you know in in that the the the, the challenge for talent i'm assuming that's the case that it's you know getting a hold of talented people can be quite yeah. challenging yeah, yeah. And, and and but i guess at the same time you've got you 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 have to be quite discerning because you need to make sure that there's that cultural fit because it'd be very easy i guess to bring people in who who you know, all it takes is a, a you know, a, a kind of critical mass of people who don't share that ethos, who who you've recruited, you know, because of supply and demand issues. I mean, how do you make sure that you've got the right, uh, that there is that cultural fix? I think that's a really important uh, part. It's really hard to do that, I think, in any recruitment process, no matter how thorough it is to make sure that, that is that person is, is, you know, will fit with our ethos and isn't, isn't going to be... Um, you know, either struggle with the openness or, or might might use that as an opportunity for for maybe you know um, not 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 being as committed as we want them to be as well. I'm just interested to know how you manage to do that as well. Yeah, it's such a it's such a great question. There's a lot of there is a lot of challenge in that, and I think especially when you're a hiring manager and you're desperate for someone to fill a role, um, you yeah you might make a hiring mistake, and that person just 
isn't necessarily going to be successful um, mm. and, and that's that's quite difficult and, and leads to a lot of difficulties so yeah mm. we talk um, we've we've learned we've been on a bit of a journey with this so we, we no longer have a culture fit part to our interview we used to have three separate parts to our interview and part of it was culture fit um, instead we've evolved that so we're much uh, clearer now that what we're looking for is culture build not fit yeah. so how can bring how can how can people bring um new perspectives new um ideas to the company um and that doesn't necessarily mean that we all kind of look the same in fact it's, it's quite the opposite yeah, um, yeah. in terms of our backgrounds or our way of thinking um but instead we've just doubled down on what we call the clear school behaviors so we have these behaviors, you might have seen them on the, the careers website, yeah. which are, they're a bit like the the rules of the game, <laughs> they're yeah. like the operating model. Um, and it's not about personality, it's actually about behaviors and, and how well those behaviors resonate with people is tested very carefully during the interview process. Mm. And it's a two-way thing, right, because the person is interviewing us and we're interviewing the person and it's mm. kind of trying to find that right fit. So we look for really specific examples. We really sort of go deep on that. We um, have interview panels um, that challenge it in depth. And um, we've we've got better at it. We've got better at working out upfront um, who's going to come in and really sort of succeed and love the environment that we've created and who's um, who's not, who's actually um, you know, better taking the other opportunity that they've got available. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's, it's a learning process and, um, and it's, it's one of the most important things, if not the most important thing that our managers do is mm. uh, create great teams and um and bring great great talent into the company because yeah. we are we are a digital company so um our talent is everything yeah no i think that's i think that's fantastic and, and i think yeah i mean in terms of of, of bringing I think it's always tricky, isn't it? Because as you said, you you want people to bring them full whole selves to work. You want a sense of belonging, which kind of implies that you know I can kind of do what not not I can do what I want, but at the same time we have to have some consistency. And I had an interview with with someone uh, a few weeks ago. It's an interview we've not put out yet, but we she ran a very complex multicultural. Uh, program very 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 scientific program and she had people from you know north korea united states china india and 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 obviously what she wanted there was you know to embrace that diversity but at the same time what she wanted to do was make sure there was some consistency of what was expected of people because they were bringing so many different cultural norms to the party and uh, i think it's always fascinating how you strike that balance and and and, and that line you tread that line because it can be a very narrow line can't it between being independent and being kind of free thinking, but also having, you know, if we all do that, it's going to be just a kind of bit of a, a anarchy where we need to do have some consistency. And I think the behavioral approach around normalizing it around behaviors is a really good way to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like the sound of that interview. I'll have to check that one uh, out because that I, sounds I mean, like a big challenge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I'm, I, we, we had an interview. Uh, it was actually the very first show I, I did last year um, in May where I had, um, I had some, uh, Rafa Hennigan, who is the, it was the head of brand at uh, AO. So we, you know, AO, the, the retailer. And one of the things she was, she was talking about there, which is, which is a tremendous interview. So one of my, one of my favorites, which she was talking about, you know, as an online retailer, the only the only time our our customer ever sees 
uh, us is when we rock up at the door with their washing machine or their tumble dryer or their kind of fridge and for us that is a really really important point because that's actually the point you know obviously there's the online ordering and the kind of whole purchasing experience but that is the kind of where the rubber hits the road sort of thing and i'm just interested in terms of you know what are the what are those touch points that you've defined because obviously all of this is great but at the end of the day what we're talking about here is and it's great customer service a great customer experience and it's slightly different i guess with yours with an app or it might not be i'm really interested to know how that then relates into how doing all of this stuff actually makes us you know a better business and perform better and our customers love us how have you made that connection yeah, and you, so you're talking about um, the users of our products of clear. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so exactly, it's 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 um it's interesting. There's an interesting parallel actually with what you've just said. So, for for clear school, we we all our teams are focused on building our app, and we have a website version of it as well, and mobile mm. web. But um, but really, the app experience is um the experience that we really focus on, and you know, really think through like how to create calmness when you're making a financial decision, how to clearly lay out information, how to use beautiful design to um, to sort of help that feeling of like, this is not a stressful thing. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah. All, all of that is, is going into the app. And yet when you, uh, we're a two-sided marketplace. So we, um, we have, we retail um, and we, co- we connect people with products that are um, the right products for them. So, for example, if you want to take out a home loan, we would be able to show you a series of home loans based on the data that we hold um, from you that would give you your options, basically, and tell you how much it's going to cost and all of those things. But then our kind of rubber hits the road moment is when that person then clicks on to apply for that product and they'll go into one of our partner sites and the experience we kind of hand over to them at that point. Um, and let's say, I don't know, there's some problem on that website and the whole thing crashes halfway through the application or there's a huge delay um, of getting the paperwork out or whatever it might be. As far as the user is concerned, that's clear score. Yeah. And yeah. the other side of it is the actual credit data itself. So we don't, we're not a um, credit bureau um, in the way that Experian or um or Equifax are, for example, we mm. surface that information, present it in a way um, that prior to was, there just wasn't a way to see that properly and mm. for free. Mm. Um, and again, so people get very annoyed with us if the information is wrong and we, mm. we have to own it, right? Because it's yeah. very easy to say, oh, well, actually, that's not us or you know, that yeah. was the partner. But in the end, we're the owner of the, the relationship with the user. So a lot of our time now um, and our commercial team spend a lot of their time going into working with partners who are innovative who are really going to obsess about the user experience as much as we do um and who are going to make it seamless and um make it a good experience for the user and um and also things like if someone gets rejected for example make that experience um not a painful experience or less of a painful experience than it needs to be make it clear um so yeah there's there's um our touch points are are really all the way across the journey um and um the obvious ones that i've not mentioned of course are things like advertising um visibility um amongst friends and discussion and um and also things like sponsorship so right, yeah there's lots right. of places where you see clear scores brand um that that aren't right there in the experience and you form your your opinions off the back of it 
Yeah, and is, is there a challenge there? Because because I remember a lot of things you've talked about there. I, I you know I can imagine they're they're compelling and exciting, but also quite frustrating in that you know you 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 have to rely on other people to deliver. You know, you can only deliver part of that experience, and and the and like you say, some of the really critical elements you have to rely on other people. In terms of your employees, because obviously you've got this strong ethos, and and it's very, you, you know, I guess it's a very strong internal ethos. I get, but it all it is all there for a purpose of, of delivering great, great customer service. How do you help them to see that they can actually still make a difference, even though in some cases they may not be, you know, delivering that end end end, end experience, and they and like you just said, there maybe reliant on other people to deliver that for us because that that could be potentially a, a frustration, or you know, why do I bother? Because uh, uh, you know, yeah. at the end of the day, so and so's let us down, and 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 that per, you know, we were trying to give a, give a great experience, and, and we couldn't because something blocked us that were completely out of our control. How do you keep them motivated in that in that context? That's just, I just find that quite interesting. Yeah, I think I mean that's where that's where our scale and going getting quickly to scale has been right. really useful because we've got an influence now in the industry and a um we're we're a huge channel for a lot of our partners um and our partners they they truly are our partners you know we work really closely with them um yeah. we we you know give them insights and um we really think about the user as a, a collective and so our best partners are, have exactly the same mindset as we do and their their engineering teams uh you know we'll sit in a room with our engineering teams uh, a virtual room at the moment of course but um, <laughs> they'll work together on um on that end-to-end experience and so I'm not, I'm not saying it's perfect all the time of course no. it's not but no. for our people i think because we do um we do get to do that it's more it's more fulfilling because yeah. um, you don't sort of go, oh, well, that's that's not me. You know, you, you take ownership all the way through and you work with the partner to, to get to a better solution. Mm. Yeah, 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 I can see that. So there, there is a sense of, of control and having some influence on that. So that takes me into final question, which is really, you know, you are, you are ambitious as a business. You're looking to grow um, uh, and uh, you, you, have, you clearly have the potential to grow. Um you you alluded to the fact earlier you've worked in bigger organisations and so I I've you know I've worked in very small organisations I've worked in very large organisations and we probably all know there's that you know I always use the analogy of there's the there's the time when we all lived above the shop and we all kind of sort of you know knew each other face to face and everybody knew each other by first name and then you get to that point where you know it's there's different departments and divisions and I guess you you're through that at two hundred I mean as the business continues to grow. Uh, and and some of the key people you know within it may 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 move on that's an inevitable you know part of growth uh, how uh, and and obviously you, you, hopefully that won't be you <laughs> some joy you'll still be there but, but how do you keep that going how do, how do you how do you you know how are you how do you see that happening and what are you working on and how will you see this sort of evolution take place as the business grows to maintain and does not dilute this this really strong culture that you've got yeah, it's a big challenge, I think, for, for companies as they go through um, this phase of growth. So definitely don't take it for granted um, that, mm. it, that it just happens. I think, um, yeah, there's a lot in that question. So Yeah, I, sorry. I think, <laughs> that's okay. Um, I like it, just thinking about the best way to go about it. So I, I, I really like to refer quite a lot myself and my, in my thinking to Dan Pink's work around what drives us um, mm, yeah. and motivation. So um, mastery, purpose and autonomy, he talks about mm. so that. 
I really like to think a lot about our employee offering in this way and how the programs we're developing deepen our strengths in each of those core areas whilst Mm. driving, of course, the performance of the company. So what that looks like at different stages um, naturally evolves. But I think as long as we keep kind of really sort of clear on uh, what our people care about and uh, what our purpose is, you know, what's the meaningful work that we're giving to people at each stage of the journey. Um, and, and of course, autonomy around the kind of flexibility to, mm. uh, to yeah, shape your career and shape your focus and, and your learning journey. Um, I think, I think that's really important. And, you've got very different challenges when you join um, a company and it's kind of less than 50 people. You have to be very jack of all trades and hang yeah. on, really hands on and love that. Um, whereas as you get a bit bigger, of course, there's more specialization. There's more interesting technical challenges in many ways because we're dealing with now you know, millions upon millions of data points and how do we use that to turn that into a positive user experience uh, personalization mm. open banking you know it gets gets more and more interesting but it, it it appeals to a different kind of person and I think we've got to recognize that and not feel like it's a disappointing thing if some people who mm. were brilliant at the beginning aren't feeling brilliant and aren't able to do their best work a few years down the line mm. so that's one thing mm. I think continuing to treat everyone as an individual um gets harder doesn't it <laughs> you get yeah but yeah. I think um it's it's really it's really quite sort of central to our employer ex- employee experience that we put people's personal potential and their kind of holistic well-being firmly in the picture. And I, I will be me and the team will be thinking a lot about how that continues and how that continues um, at scale um, is is I guess a bit of a a, a challenge to address, mm, but one that mm. I think is is manageable. Um, and yeah, investing even more in building out our goal to make a positive difference in our industry. That's another thing that gets more and more exciting as we get bigger. Um, yeah. We've got a really ambitious diversity and inclusion strategy that sort of really is in service of our financial well-being for everyone goal. Um, it's really clearly dovetailed with that um, and and access to opportunities in our industry and in technology. Um, so as we get bigger, that gets more uh, more impactful. Um, and then I guess the final thing, um, continuing to use performance management to align and ensure we're all developing and pulling in the same yeah. direction, that's yeah. um, that's pretty critical as well. Yeah. No, it's brilliant. And I know, yeah, I, I think that's yeah, a really good frame around what you said right at the beginning of that, which is, you know, autonomy, mastery, and purpose. I think they're great. They, it is a great way of thinking about what all of us want from our work. And, and it's kind of something that I'm very passionate about as well. You know, with with the clients we work with, it's, I think it's a basic human right to have those three elements in your work. And, uh, and I think it's a great way of thinking about how you continue to shape that experience. Cause even as you scale up, it's, it's still possible to do all of those things really well. And, and I think yeah. that's really, uh, really, important to hold on to that um well that's that's been absolutely fantastic you've given us a wonderful flavor there for for um i, I mean a lot of the a lot of the listeners on 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 the it's a very diverse audience we have on the podcast for you know big or big very large organizations small organizations but i think you know and it, going back to what we said at the beginning i think you know the parallel with 
we, we can learn a lot from looking at organizations that aren't the same as ours and whether we're, you know, we're, we're, it doesn't matter whether you're not in finance or if you're a big organization, I think a lot of the things you've talked about today are things that, you know, we can all learn from no matter what size and, and sector we're in. So I'm uh, really grateful for that. Um, but I'm not going to let you off the hook yet because I do ask all of my interviewees one final question, which is, um, you know, well, you've you've been there since sort of you, the first, you were one of the first six people there. So you must have a pretty, pre- people must know you fairly well, I guess. <laughs> uh, but you've also disclosed, you know, you've been very, very honest and, and, and authentic on this 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 uh, this recording. You took, you said, you know, you've been, you've been very open. But um, what I always ask my interviewees is something that, that even people who work with them quite closely or know them quite well it could be socially or or at work who don't you know something they don't know about you and it could be something you do now or you've done in the past or something you're passionate about that you don't really tell very many people but obviously something that you're willing to to share on air that would be uh, that'd be wonderful Anna so over to you yeah um okay so this is something that um Google Photos reminded me of this week so it has this wonderful habit of telling you what you were doing this week a year ago <laughs> this week 5 years ago so this week 6 years ago <laughs> I mm. was stood at the top of um a uh, volcano called Takumolko which is um, which is the tallest volcano in Guatemala. In fact, I think it might be the tallest in Central America, but I'll need to fact check that. Um, Looking out over Mexico, having kind of just spent the last couple of days on this hike, um, you know, carrying all my own stuff, and this isn't something I would naturally do. This isn't (laughs) not my hobby, but it was something I set myself to do um, as a challenge. Having just finished um, a couple of months of intensive training to be a a yoga instructor, so um, that's one of my, uh, I guess, side hustles and passions is. I have trained in, I've trained in a few different schools of yoga teacher training. Um, and at that particular point was just before I started this role at ClearScore. And I, um, yeah, I think I took all that time out to really sort of think about what to do next. And, yeah. and that's what kind of landed me where I am now. So yeah, yeah, I thought that was, I thought that was really interesting when I saw that pop up. Yeah. <laughs> so it's something well, that a lot of people know about me. Well, brilliant. No. And then a typical marketeer, you see, we get two for the price of one. We not only get the fact that you're on top of this volcano, but also the fact that you're a yoga, you, you're a yoga instructor as well, you see. So there we yeah, go. Yeah. So two, two, yeah. two, four. Uh, and, and uh, no, I, 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 I did Kilimanjaro 12 years ago now. I can't believe it's that long ago. And it's an amazing experience, oh, isn't it? I uh, must it, do that one day. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it, well, I mean, yeah any any sort of high altitude trek you know you the kind of inner resilience and the uh, for me i don't know i I don't know how tall i don't know how high yours was but i mean the nausea and the headaches and everything but 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 the sheer experience of achieving it is just incredible so uh yeah no i I can totally relate to that so uh, yeah yeah fantastic story thank you um well, look, uh, um, we always um, share some stuff on the on the show notes. Uh, we'll obviously put a link to uh, ClearScore's uh, homepage. So if anyone, you know, you've talked, uh, we're not advertising ClearScore, but, but everyone has to have a, look, have a nosy at the business. I'll put the link to the careers page because I think it's a really great example of what of what you can do to, to brand your organization at, and, you know, from a for an employer perspective. But I'll also put a link to your LinkedIn profile, if that's okay, Anna, if anyone wants to reach out to you and uh, and, and, and to speak, you know, connect with you or to speak to you directly is there any other any other media that you are um are you a prolific tweeter or an instagrammer that but you know obviously only things that you're willing to sort of share professionally. <laughs> yeah. any, 
Uh, or is that, is that sufficient uh, ways of getting in touch with you or the business? That's probably the best ways. I think the other the other one I'd highlight is maybe Medium. So we've got a clear school Medium blog, which okay. um, which I occasionally blog on, but also some of my colleagues, and um, it's quite oh, a good right. way to get, okay. get to know the business. Um, well, if, if you if you send me the link to that, I'll pop that in the show notes as well, and we'll put yeah. that alongside of the other the other links, and uh, yeah. and then it just means if if anyone's listening and they want to kind of follow up and have a look themselves, they can uh, they can do that. So um, well, look, that's been absolutely fantastic, Anna. Thank you very much. Been been great speaking to you. Um, um, really, really, you know, really enjoyed it. Give me some, really, you give me some insights and thoughts, and made me ponder a few of my uh, some of the things I'm doing with some of my clients at the minute. So it's really, really helpful. And uh, I wish you all the best, and uh, and have a safe and happy rest of the year. Thank and you. Uh, thank you for being on the show. Thanks so much for having me on. Cheers, Craig. Thank you, Anna. Bye bye. Bye bye. So thank you for listening to Engaging Internal Comms. Hope you found this episode useful. Um, we'd love to get your feedback and thoughts about the show. So, and, and also any questions or ideas that you've got for things you'd like us to cover in future episodes. So you can email us at info at thebigpicturepeople.co.uk or you can get in touch with us via the contact form on our website, which is engagingic.com. Also, you'll be able to sign up for our mailing list there and we'll send you relevant news about the show new episodes and also anything that we think you might be interested when it comes to internal communications or employee engagement if you like the show and you haven't already done so please subscribe to it via your podcast service and also you can subscribe to it via the links on our podcast page which again is engagingic.com Um, If you know anyone else who might be interested in the show, please distribute it to them. Please let them know about it. We want to try and grow a community of people here who are contributing to the show, giving us new ideas for episodes and things that you'd like to cover in future. So thank you very much. 